And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good evening, everybody. This is Dan Harshman for the Black Firehouse Podcast, as always here with my good buddy, Austin Young. Hello, hello. How are you doing today, Austin? I'm doing. We technical are on issues aside. I'm doing technical good. issues aside. What what were your technical issues? Uh, my laptop decided to update right as we were getting ready to record. Was well, that a is that an issue or is that your laptop trying to like be good? Isn't that what it's, it's supposed a, to? No, it's an issue. I hate this stupid thing. I also hate technology <laughs> updating on itself. Perfect people to have a podcast then, right? <laughs> so we're on episode three austin how do you feel about that uh pretty good you know revenge of the sith was really good it's the best of the prequel trilogy so that, you know this one's sure to be the best of the first three episodes right just like the third ghostbusters film was the best out of all four ghostbuster films yes absolutely <laughs> oh man so today we're we're, you know, we're going to be talking props as always, but, um, you know, last week we touched upon that new offering from fun.com and, uh, man, we, we couldn't go a single week without the Ghostbusters collecting community embarrassing themselves as a collective. Um, have you, have you seen the update from Hasbro? Oh yeah. The, the orange tip <laughs> on the Hasbro plasma series Spangler thrower and people are absolutely having adult sized temper tantrums. And I don't, I don't get it, Austin. I, 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 I just, I'm not getting it. What are your thoughts? I, my favorite thing about the whole thing is, you know, it's not even supposed to be silver. It's supposed to be clear. Like it's not even correct to begin with. So what's the big deal? Well, I it, yeah, not even that. I mean, what's what's baffling me is how many people I'm seeing complaining on like modding forums. I'm like, yeah. the whole purpose is you guys modify this. Like, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna take off that that back plastic tape application. You're gonna you're gonna change parts out with metal. You're gonna give it a new paint job. But that orange chip, that's that's the wrench. That's that's, that's yeah, that's, I, that's I, the line right there. You can't do anything with an orange tip. I, I talked about it to so many people yesterday. I don't even remember who I said this to, but I said, God forbid you have to modify the thing you were already going to modify in the first place. Well, it wasn't in the budget and $5 and five minutes of silver paint is just, yeah, that's just too far. It's crazy, dude. I mean, I guess I sort of understand people that think, oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a toy, you know, it's not a real firearm, you know. I, I get that, but like, it's the law. They have to do it. God forbid the toy company making the toy have to abide by toy laws. Exactly. It's a hardship. I mean, 
It's it's part of being a Ghostbusters fan, man. We we just we get these hardships. We're gonna have to persevere as a community. We're gonna have to just figure out how we move past Orange Gate. It's gonna be hard, but we'll get through it together. We'll get through it. So we're doing something new tonight. We are actually having our first guest on the show. Are you excited about that, Austin? I am. I'm very excited. I am. Do you do you want to introduce them or do you want me to introduce them? I think you should introduce them. I should introduce them so I can butcher his poor last name. We practiced exactly. this like five times. This hand, hand. All right. So we have Jordan Johansson of the Alberta Ghostbusters joining us tonight. Not to be confused with the Calgary Ghostbusters, which I know like 90% of people do because there's only two franchises up in Canada, I guess. Um but uh yeah jordan um can you hear us okay i can can you hear me oh yeah we can definitely hear you just want to make sure i know that that uh you know that that signal coming from the united states to canada it can get a little rough absolutely our borders are a little uh a little tricky these days (laughs) how you doing tonight jordan I'm excellent. Yourself? I am doing great. Um, so yeah, you are you are part of the Alberta Ghostbusters. Introduce yourself to our, our listeners. Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and where you come from. Uh my name's Jordan. I'm from uh originally from Edmonton, Alberta. I live in Calgary, which is our two big cities, fun rivalries there. Um I founded the Alberta Ghostbusters along with a couple of friends back in twenty eleven. Um I've kind of been in the Ghostbusters community, but a lurker since maybe 2006. Like my first proton pack was Norm Garrigan, or Gagarin. Uh, <laughs> then I got a multimedia mayhem kit because Colin uh, lived in my neck of the woods. Oh yeah, old school. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Me and Austin are all about it. Actually, uh, I, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that later this episode. Um, <laughs> So, Jordan, as as our first guest on the Black Firehouse podcast, uh, we are today talking about your part in Ghostbusters. Yeah, I uh, I was I along with a couple of members of our franchise was given the incredible lifetime opportunity to actually work on Ghostbusters Afterlife, and a very small part, but. You know, but still cool nonetheless. A, I mean, like, oh, yeah. I mean, how many fans would have given their, you know, their their limb or firstborn? I mean, I have I have two children. You can have them both. They let me work on another <laughs> Ghostbusters movie. That'd be that's super awesome. Yeah, well, and it was just like a perfect storm of weird opportunities. Like, first off, they were filming in the city I lived in. Like, mm-hmm. why would they ever film a Ghostbusters movie in Canada? Why Calgary? No, why not Vancouver slash Toronto? The two places everything's filmed. Right. Why not um, Oklahoma where the movie's set? Exactly. <laughs> but I'm not bitter or anything. <laughs> I take it you're an Okie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah, and then um, somebody in production knew somebody else who knew of our group and had seen some of our work at uh, conventions and that kind of thing and was able to get in touch. And suddenly... Very, very quickly, we ended up working on the movie. That is... Uh, two weekends, kind of a couple months apart. That is or, incredible. Yeah, about a month or two apart. That is incredible. And we're we're going to talk about, as the main segment today, the items that you worked on. Um, two of the props that uh, Austin and I have a huge amount of interest in, uh, which are the Sentry Proton Cannons and, of course, the, the Gunner Seat 
proton pack, which are, are both of really, really huge interest. So before we get to the main topic, of course, we're going to go into talking about what's on our workbench. So here we go. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess it's right. Austin, what's on your workbench? Rothko straps. Rothko straps. Rothko straps. All right. There's a whole... Why are you cursing your workbench? Uh, you know, screen accuracy and all that. All the uh, uh yeah. The Rothko aftermarket stuff being used on the Afterlife Proton packs. And of course, because this is the first Ghostbusters movie we've had in the original timeline. Uh where right. there are, you know, the classic proton packs that are using parts that, in theory, are readily available. But, of course, by the time we get around to figuring them out, they're discontinued or they've changed them. And so we're looking for older versions of currently available parts. And that seems to be the case with <laughs> Rothko straps now. So there's there's differences now in current on-market Rothko straps compared to circa 2019 Rothko straps? Apparently. Um, that, that is frustrating. Well, I know you put me on to the variance in the, in the frame itself, that, yeah. that there was a change in the frame design and it just so happened that Amazon at the time had the, the correct Rothko frame. So here, here's a question for you as you're, as you're delving in through straps and everything, set that aside for a second. You had mentioned our last episode that you were building your Phoebe pack using metal parts yes so how is your confidence that a rothko frame is going to adequately support a traditional fiberglass shell with metal parts and not snap probably like a negative 10 (laughs) (laughs) you know it's one of those things that i mean i've already been scheming how i can take apart a Rothko frame, pull off those side brackets that have like the square cutout shape, flatten mm-hmm. one out, make a template, have some new ones, water jet cut out of some thicker material, swap them out on s- oh. some genuine LC two frames and then have a replica Rothko frame, but of a higher quality. Are you going to be increasing the, uh, the motherboard thickness as well? On your Phoebe pack? Um, probably. Um, it appears that there's one pack that has like a 16th inch motherboard, but it seems like the rest of them have like 8th inch. Uh, I'm not 100% certain, but that seems to be the case. I'll probably well, go with 8th inch. Jordan, you're you're nodding your head over there. Did you get any time with, like, I, I know we're going to we're gonna talk about the items that you built, but did you get time um, hands-on with the pack packs yes. that they that they used not the phoebe pack the phoebe pack wasn't around when i was but um i did take some pictures of what turned out to be the uh the zedmore pack and i, I released some of that um looking back on it obviously i wish i had taken more photos and and you know thrown a tape on a couple of things but i, w- I was technically <laughs> working so i uh, i did what i could <laughs> but yes there were absolutely i don't want to get you didn't want to get fired taking photos of things that weren't your job exactly <laughs> I technically shouldn't have had my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they can't fire you now, so it's all good. Exactly. There you go. Um, 
So Jordan, what what's on your workbench, man? I, I mean, you're you're a maker, you're a builder like the rest of us, right? Yes. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why you got dragged into to the afterlife party. So so what are you working on, man? Uh, right now, in fact, just prior to this uh, us recording, I'm working on Deckard's blaster from Blade Runner. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. my gosh! Uh, this will be my Excellent. third one now. Very uh, nice. Me- metal parts, Oof. not not quite up to like my finished idealized one, but mm-hmm. another step forward. And then in Ghostbusters news, I'm I'm a sheet metal worker by trade. Um, I'm working on an extreme Ghostbusters pack that's completely welded out of 16 gauge. Nice, <laughs> very cool. It is very heavy, as it should be. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But but what a great pack to like make out of metal. Exactly. I mean, it's like out of simple. out of all the different packs, yeah, it's got very simple geometric shapes, and once it's put together, they they look good. How are you? How are you handling? the the scale changes in the extreme ghostbusters proton pack because even even looking at real ghostbusters you know of course when you're in an animation setting you know things are going to change proportions are going to change constantly but extreme ghostbusters holy crap the the proportions change just perpetually how are you how are you dealing with that so i initially started with the old uh call-in for multimedia mayhem plans um i had those still on my computer and as I'm putting it together, I realize I'm going to need to beef up a couple of things because it is looking a little anemic. Like, I do like the the frame being about a foot wide, the boxes being about six by six, but the two, like, packs, like the one where the hose connects to the pack, and then, like, the one on top that has the, uh, the, the tubes that kind of go mm-hmm. at a right angle, I think I'm going to have to really beef up. There was uh, one I saw not too long ago that had kind of more cartoony kind of chunkier dimensions where like the pack looks like it takes up like half the space you do. And I I feel Mm -hmm. like that's probably a little closer to like the spirit of the, of the item. Sure. And you know, that I think sometimes is very, very important. You know, um, I've seen some incredible uh, real Ghostbusters builds and scaling is always an issue. Um, You know, uh, the Matt Burkett and Jack Dowd did really excellent, real Ghostbusters proton packs, but they scaled them to the, the key drawings yeah, so they were huge. where, you know, the, they were really, really big, but they were amazing. Um, and then you have something like shape forge props, uh, which is Martin. That's, that's the real Ghostbusters pack that I'm working on. Um, he scaled his down to be more in line with, um, what we see in, in the Ghostbusters movie. And I, I thought that was just a little bit more appealing. I thought the, the scale down actually worked a little bit better uh, for me. Are you, a f- but are you a fan of the baby blue real Ghostbusters packs? I am not. Me neither. I, no, I have always I had an issue with it, but I've always, you know, kept it myself. Cause what's the point? <laughs> you know, um, Matt though, their paint application, they did that, that nice dark Navy, and it's really, really gorgeous on those packs. They did an incredible job. There's a lot of really intricate custom aluminum work on those packs that a lot of people aren't aren't aware of as well. Uh, me, I'm actually, I'm kind of on that, that I can't decide what color I want. <laughs> I know it's going to be a darker color, but anytime you see the real Ghostbusters pack, it always has the highlights on the side and I'm almost wondering if I should enforce that and do a two-tone color throughout no. to get those highlight no. no. Why? Because that's dumb. 
You're dumb. I don't think I it's dumb, but I do think you're just setting yourself for a whole lot of extra work and masking. I mean, it's a whole lot of work. It yeah. is a whole lot of work. I, I think that's an element that doesn't translate well to three dimensions. I think no? I think going with a darker paint scheme, a darker blue, and just natural light highlights, that's the way to go. Do a, do a really fancy uh, photo shoot with lots of colored lighting. Hard, hard lighting. Hard lighting, yeah. Now, what about the chrome paint jobs I've seen on a lot of uh, real Ghostbusters proton packs? How do you feel about that, Austin? I've never seen one chrome that I can recall. I, I, well, I, I guess I should say more metallic than chrome. Chrome is not the right word. I apologize. Metallic. metallic. I mean, you know, that's a big thing that's up for interpretation, I suppose. I could see people thinking they're, they're metallic, they're metal, they're bare metal. I could see them being painted gray like that industrial gray color um yeah i kind of feel like that's an instance where you could maybe go two-tone with it you could do most of it in the gray color and then have some some bare metal accents that actually might work really well Well, there were you know even looking at the color palette again we're, we're talking about animation here yeah um but there are different shades of gray that they're using on the real Ghostbusters Proton Pack that I'm personally interpreting one as being, um, you know, like bare aluminum yeah. versus other parts being actually like gray, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, man, that's, that's the complicated thing about, you know, well, and that working and translating animated props into real life. And that's what makes it interesting too, is everybody's got a different interpretation. Yeah, plus it's nice that not everything's set in stone. Like, you know, there's no, like, Stefan's mm-hmm. plans for a real Ghostbusters proton pack. You kind of get to make some creative choices on your own. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, excellent. So that's that's what it's on our workbench. We're talking about that. We're, we're going to go into our main topic now. We're going to go ahead and start talking about... We have a lot to cover. Century proton cannons and a gunner seat proton pack. Jordan, you ready? I am. <laughs> Austin, you ready? I was born to wear this stuff. Yeah, nobody cares. Hey! Listen. You smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? So, uh, today, again, we have our guest, Jordan Johansson here, um, of the Alberta Ghostbusters, who got to work on props during Ghostbusters Afterlife, during principal photography up in Canada, which is really just an incredible experience. I, I know so many people that that would have loved to have, have done what you were doing. So why did you get brought in? Why did you get brought in? Why did they bring you guys in on that project? Like what, what was necessary? What was going on? And I know there's a lot of hubbub behind the scenes stuff where they were saying um, that you know, the, the props just were maybe not up to what Jason wanted um, on filming location. And there was just modifications that needed. Tell us about that if you can. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I did uh, was the gunner seat. Um, now, there was a design in mind for that that Jason had. I, I'm i one of like a, a small team. I, I don't want to <laughs> sound like I fabricated or did everything. Um, sure. At some point, I'll give them shout outs. I, I made a list so I wouldn't forget anybody. <laughs> Well, but, give um, them the shout out right now. So we're right. we're talking about like this this whole team of really talented Ghostbusters fans that that helped. So um, just 
members of my franchise uh, that helped out would be Ashley. Uh, she did a lot of paint, weathering, and detailing. She also designed a different Neutrona wand box that was ultimately unused, but uh, mm. now exists at her Ooh. home secretly. Interesting. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, uh, my good friend James uh, was also involved. He was the one who recommended me. Um, specifically, okay. which was great. Uh, he did a lot of the modeling. He also modeled parts of the Ectomobile that uh, okay. needed to be needed to be made. Um, Very cool. Another friend, Sean, ca- was brought on for casting talent. Uh, he casted a uh, a dummy version of the RTV that would stick out of the Ectomobile mm-hmm. um, that couldn't eject because it was only half a body. Like it it it, it ended before. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, there was Dustin who did electronics and wiring and also ran the rap party, which I also got to be <laughs> tangentially involved in. That is super cool. And finally, uh, for like Ghostbuster friends, is Rob who worked on the Sentry Wands specifically. And he, he does lightsabers by trade, yes. if I recall that correctly. Yes, uh, Genesis Custom Sabers is, uh, is yeah. his company. That is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we, we definitely want to plug him. I'm going to be reaching out to him because I... I have in my head assigned nicknames to all the different wands that were made on there. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know if you guys had names on them. Not really. I do remember arguing against the one with the blue highlights um, because <laughs> there's no blue on the proton wand, and I <laughs> see that one's like my favorite one next to. Uh, there's another one that's got these uh... the huge beefy capacitor. That one is no, really cool. Huge, huge beefy capacitor is my favorite. That's that I nicknamed Saber because it looks like a lightsaber. The, <laughs> yeah. the one with the blue highlights uh, reminds me of the Men in Black Two noisy cricket, so mm-hmm. I nicknamed it Cricket. Uh, the one with the large rings on it, um, uh, that one I I can't remember what I called that one. Oh man, I suck at this. Uh, you and Shang Blaster, <laughs> Shang Chi. <laughs> Um, yeah, and yeah, then the one that looks like uh, an E11 has like the Sterling front end, so I nicknamed that one mm. Blaster because I'm a nerd. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, looking at them, one once you know that the guy who like the one of the principal guys on that like builds lightsabers for a hobby, you can't not unsee it. Like so no. many of those parts are are very very well, scary. It, it's funny because the first time seeing the movie. There's one really quick shot of, I believe it's the one with the silver rings around it. And I remember looking at that going, that looks like a lightsaber. What, <laughs> what did I just look at? Was that a proton gun? So it's kind of funny to find out after the fact that they were put together by a guy that does lightsabers. It makes total sense. It does. It does. But there, it, it you know, it's it works really well. I mean the the aesthetics mm-hmm. of of the lightsaber going on to uh, to the wand works really really well. So um, we're we're totally tangenting here, Jordan. So you got brought on specifically at first for the gunner seat, which I yes. think is by far probably the most recognizable of the new technology incorporated into the Ecto One. Very much real Ghostbusters, you know, aesthetic going yeah. on, but bringing it into the movie. Tell us about the process behind that. You had mentioned that there was already some design work done on it. When you yeah. Came. So Jason, Jason, uh, one of the original designs was possibly having cages around um, the individual components. And then mm-hmm. that translated from Jason to, he wanted everything to look like it was coming out of water. So he wanted all the cage to be at a singular level. Um, okay. And they want, they didn't want it to just be a proton pack on a, uh, 
on a seat, which is why all the components were kind of switched around. Um, that was actually built by cutting up a foam uh, stunt pack with a with a hacksaw. Nice. Is that so, how all of the those things were were built? All the the proton cannons and everything no. were they all cut up? Okay, all right. So we'll get into the sentry cannons because I obviously <laughs> you could tell what I'm really excited about. So you guys were cutting up um, foam stunt packs to to mm-hmm. make this thing. Now tell me about the wand. One of the things I had seen in the Ghostbusters making of art book was this really really great little four panel shot of different ideas for the wand and it you know i'm i'm not a production designer i'm not the director i don't get to choose what ends up in the in the final cut of anything or how it looks but i gotta say out of all the designs that were in the book they ended up going with the least innovative and new um can you tell us anything about that were you part of that design process i wasn't part of the process but i did like um, between the months of me being there, the original wand was for the Ectomobile was white. It wasn't okay. a black wand, and okay. I I argued against that quite quite heavily because <laughs> it looked like it was plastic, and it was. Um, I didn't. I just thought it looked cheap. Um, but it was already the slightly shorter wand with the with the shotgun grip. Um, mm-hmm. I had never got to see any other um, takes on it. It had already kind of existed. Fun fact, um, if you don't take it out of the box when the seat extends, you rip the cord <laughs> that, oh, the host that connects between the seat and the, uh, the proton wand. Oh my gosh. So yeah, now, did they use that. the same kind of uh, nutric connectors between the the wand, the, the gunner seat wand, and like the Phoebe pack? I don't believe so. I can't say for a hundred percent because I because the like all the lighting and stuff was done by effects team after I had, uh, after I was done. Um, what I specifically did was help with the layout, um, mm-hmm. build the uh, the um, cage, which, and then I um, basically kind of I I did fabrication on it. Like I, I built it. I didn't do any like the painting weathering. That was uh, Ashley. Um, okay. Yeah. So I just kind of got to put things where they should go, glue them down, build the cage around it, and then I kind of handed it off to another member of our team. Austin, I know you have questions, and man, if you don't stop me, I will bogart this whole interview. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to go back to, I guess, the original concept of the seat for a minute. Um, Sure. I think it was you that posted some of the pictures. I don't remember exactly who, but there is a photo that was posted of uh, the interior of the Ecto, and and there's somebody, uh, one of your buddies, I I assume. Yes, that would be James holding holding a foam version uh, up against Yeah. Full size pack. Yes. The paint job is totally different. It's way rusted out, really heavily weathered. And I assume there's another shot uh, of a pack motherboard with the white wand that you mentioned previously attached to it. And there's these additional, like, little mounting tabs on the sides of the motherboard that I can only assume were originally supposed to be for the gunner seat to mount it into the Ecto. But I, I, I'm curious about that, if you have any insight into that. So that, um, the really rusty pack, is the, actually the gunner seat. Um, after I had, okay. after it had been chopped up and placed onto, um, a, I think it was like a styrene board, or not styrene, um, Sintra board. That okay. We had, a, we had a, the chair from the Ectomobile, or one of... Um, literally ratchet strapped to a table so we could kind of fit everything on because it, w- it weighed so much. 
it had to be ratchet strapped and we had to have stuff on the table. Otherwise the table would tip over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is the actual um, gunner seat. Cause it got a full repaint after it had been chopped up and, uh, and moved uh, all the, all the pieces moved around, like putting the ion arm in the bottom right corner, the cyclotron beside it. Yeah. Who got um, to make those choices of the, the rearranging of the pack on there? I did. And it's bizarre how much freedom I had. It, it, specifically the sentry cannons, I got to do mm-hmm. way more than I thought I ever should have. Cause I was just, you know, Joe blow off the street. They didn't know me from anyone. Um, the first time we worked, we uh, we were under a lot more supervision than the second time because they kind of knew that we knew what we were doing and could be trusted and left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. There was a lot of kind of like, what do you think of this? Yeah, if you think it's good and it looks good, we're we're happy. Was there cool. ever times in which Jason came in? And oversaw what you guys were saying and, and gave notes on, hey, I want this like this or this like that? No. So the the I worked on weekends, mm-hmm. two, two, like, two non-consecutive weekends, and I think they were both holiday weekends. So um, for the first time with the gunner seat, it was us five in the building, plus the, the guy who was actually in production who like, you know, has a movie credit, mm-hmm. uh, who was our supervisor. And that's kind of it. Wow. Wow. So there was a lot of freedom on the the prop design it sounds like. It, like there's I'm I'm I you know a lot of the behind the scenes shots we see of Jason looking at mostly like Phoebe's pack mm-hmm. is is that really the only prop that he was emotionally invested in as a director and everything else he was just like, "Hey, yeah, this this looks like Ghostbusters. Let's go with it." I don't I don't I don't really know since I I only spoke with him like at at like the rap party afterwards, mm-hmm. like not counting like fan fest for two seconds and sure that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I I can't really say like he had the he had the vision in mind for the for the gunner seat where everything was kind of level. Like that was like a note I remember. You got to keep in mind this is like almost three years ago now at this point. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So where was the bulk of the weight then coming for the gunner seat? Because you had mentioned that it was a foam pack that was that was cut up the the cage was was that metal or was that no. a plastic fabrication i think it was was it plastic or wood it was laser cut um on a glow forge that we had had running in the uh in like the little props area that we were working in which we mm-hmm. sh- shared with set deck some of my pictures i think are taken in the set deck area like i posted a picture of the uh the hot beverage thermal mug which i never got to see in the movie but it was there <laughs> with photos yeah and stuff. That was, was a really interesting picture. I, I I was I meant to ask about that. Like, there was some know. interesting like stuff on the walls that I felt less comfortable taking pictures of. Like, they had mm-hmm. like tons of like reference photo materials for like uh, raise a cult and that kind of thing. And I did get to go yeah. on that set at a later date, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. Oh, cool! Very yeah, cool. yeah, definitely. We'll we'll touch on that. Um, you had mentioned that the gunner seat wand was plastic. Yes. Which I think is interesting because the sentry cannons are very, very much not. And they are freaky geeky ones. They are freaky geeky. I, I took one look at them and, and I already had heard water cooler talk, you know, um, after production that RJ had worked on those. But the moment you release those photos and by the way, that was like Christmas morning again oh, yeah. for me. Uh, what was that? January 4th that that you were able to drop those. Uh, I can't remember the day. Basically, once I finally got the go-ahead from Eric, I 
was just like, behold, they, oh I'm giving gosh. back to the Ghostbusters community. This is everything I, I took, and I apologize. Um, the only ones, I initially didn't drop some that had like certain uh, people in them, but that weren't sure. like prop specific. And then I think some of those made their way out anyway, but it is what it is. Yeah, uh, so why did they end up using premium wands for these background things and then a, a plastic wand for the gunner seat? I don't know a hundred percent that the that that plastic one was the final wand. It just was okay. the one that was like paired with the gunner seat at the time. The, okay. the first time I worked on the film, but it was I like would... a plastic. Uh, I don't. I want to say it was a three D. I want to say it was a three D print. I'm not a hundred percent though. I have to imagine that it all has to be, you know, to keep down on the weight. Because if if you know you're creating a fabricating a plastic cage, foam pack plastic wand um i'm sure it's a safety thing with you know the seat mechanism itself you know trying to keep the weight down so it doesn't tip over i was told at one point that the seat went didn't spin when it went in and out and just sheared the pack off at one point oh wow i don't know how true that was but i was told that by a couple people involved uh, hiring production myself (laughs) well another question we know there's at least two ectos um Mm -hmm. and then and then a third one that was cut up yes did you only build one gunner seat? Or I did only you build built three? one gunner seat. As far as I understand, okay. it was replicated for the other Ectomobile. Okay. But I, I built like the first one. Okay. So you and built one and somebody came in and built two more. And that was built on a weekend where a shot was being filmed on the following Tuesday. So. Oh, wow. It, it was a very bizarre schedule. As a guy, that was the first film I'd ever worked on. I've worked on some stuff um, since that I can't really talk about. Um, so like I didn't know if that was just normal to be like hey we're gonna film this next day and uh we don't have something (laughs) i mean you know listening to so many behind the scenes documentaries on countless films that kind of seems like that's pretty much the standard (laughs) we need something on the fly we need it built two days ago can you do it (laughs) so um i i wanted to go back you had mentioned that uh that the ecto one um your your assumption was that the the gunner seat was replicated for for at least one of the cars. Um, I did have a chance to actually see one of the cars. I believe it's the stunt car that was in New York for the premiere. I believe that they kept the hero car, what used to be the Ecto One A. I think that one stayed out in L.A. Uh, during the time of the premiere. And I I I have a photo of the back seat, and it looks like there's hydraulics hooked up for a gunner seat, but there's no actual gunner seat back there. Oh, okay. um, so they were they were rem- removable. I'm I'm assuming so that you guys could could work on them, or if there were problems to to get to the hydraulics and the mechanism underneath it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get to to see the the gunner seat in action? Like after you guys placed it on there? Yes. Um, many months later, um, just as they had wrapped filming, we did a we did a set visit uh, with some members of my franchise who had also been involved um, as extras or, or other things. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they had had. You've seen some shots of where it's the Ectomobile and it says that's a wrap um, on the screens all around it. That was there as well as the effects crew who kept bringing the seat in and out. Um, <laughs> we had met Jason at that time, and he had uh, he'd given us some things to auction off, which we we had done very um, cool later on, and presented him with like a little plaque, like you know every Ghostbusters franchise ends up every doing. every yeah, uh, yeah. Ernie Hudson is the honorary member of. All the franchises. Like, exactly. <laughs> hey, Ernie, it's time for you to start paying your dues. Uh, you're a member of this franchise. I need you 
$25 every year. Thank you. Come on. <laughs> oh, 25 You guys go get on a flight. <laughs> that's um, 25 American. Oh, never mind. All so right. That's like, that's that's like 50 Canadian. <laughs> you guys are still in rubles, right? <laughs> Canadian Copex. <laughs> or is it is it loonies? Is that, that is a that is her one dollar coin, yes. There you go. Um did the did you know I don't remember in the movie, does the gunner seat have electrics in it? Did it light up? Did it, you know, cycle and so the at the time cycle? when I built it, no. Um okay. the effects team was supposed to come in. I don't know if that ever happened. I, I've only seen Ghostbusters afterlife like four times, so I'm slacking. Um, same but, same with me. We're not at the level that Austin is. I I did cut holes um <laughs> in the in the center board or whatever I, mm-hmm. I it would have been mounted on for lights to be fit in by effects. Um fun fact that's that whole thing is hot glued together. It was just hot <laughs> snot. And then wow, you were I, you were going back to your your norm building days. <laughs> oh yeah. After I uh, after I glued everything, I looked over at like the guy like uh, I guess I could say uh, Peter who was like the guy in charge of us and I was like so this thing's gonna like spin out right like it's gonna flip out do we have to do anything extra so like it doesn't fall fly off he's like you should probably like shake it a bunch and just make sure that like nothing goes (laughs) off so I'm like shaking this like this seat over my head not the seat just like the board and stuff and flexing it just to make sure that nothing flies off (laughs) stress test well when uh, cans on it Oh no! no. <laughs> you know, Although uh, there are some things like that inside the sentry bags. Ooh, okay, Austin, <laughs> you had another question. Oh, I was just gonna mention that when uh, Yes Have Some did their interview with Ben Eady, he talked about every time that seat came out, the uh, the bumper bellows got knocked off, and he'd have to run in and super glue it back on between takes. <laughs> Yeah. Did he talk about how uh, he got an RTV ran over? <laughs> he did. That, that had happened, I can't remember, I think it was the second time that was a big running joke. Like, don't oh worry, we can just run it over and it'll look better anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Real weathering. <laughs> did you uh, Did you get to interact with the RTV? Did you have your hand in that at all? Uh, I got to play with it, but it, I didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with like its design or anything. Um, beyond like the handful of photos I got to I got to take of it. Um, yeah. I I've known it was a Traxxas Stampede the whole time. I, I wish I could have. <laughs> You're just sitting here watching people on the workbench just circle the drain and. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, you know what? We we did a pretty good job before. Oh, no, for sure. Before Ben was able to kind of break his silence and really talk to us and. And, mm-hmm. and you, of course, able to come out and divulge all this this great information. Of course, you know we're we're really grateful. Um, oh yeah, on how open Sony has been with the community on this. Definitely, yeah. Definitely yeah. Like they were super chill about it. Like because I took a bunch of pictures that technically shouldn't exist, and I was like, "Hey, Eric, like the books come out, the movie's been a while. Like, our my NDA, as far as I understand, is over. Can I uh, can I release some stuff and?" I got to go ahead, and I just was like, here you go. It's That's January awesome. 10th or whatnot, and my idea is over. Yeah, so about that art book. Um, mm. You know, the art book talks about the the gunner seat, and it gives some really good artwork on it. You know, probably, I would assume, um, you know, drawings that 
you and and your crew had seen going into to building it no no actually uh i i didn't get any of that the only um the only kind of um art direction i got was for the um the cannons okay there was there was some um some stuff drawn up i can't remember the the correct term for it but so there was there's no artwork of the cannons in the book oh interesting because i i might have those somewhere Ooh. So why why is it though? Why why are we looking at something? I personally feel like the sentry cannons are the most interesting thing technology-wise, new gear-wise brought to Ghostbusters Afterlife. And at the same time they seem to be what got the least amount of attention. Like I understand, you know, a lot of it came down to lighting and stuff, but I was really I was expecting to see a lot more in that art book about them and it was just like crickets yeah it was a weird thing to watch the movie too because like we had spent literally a a long weekend cramming so much detail into those and like changing things and just like oh i was like oh 30 seconds and now i'll also hold a uh, grudge against paul rudd for the rest of my life because you know he broke one of my cannons and i can't have that (laughs) is that the one that he bends (laughs) when he bends it up he broke i knew that paul rudd was going to be up up on that ladder and i knew he was going to mess with it but i didn't actually know that it was going to like shoot one and another in my head at the time like because a lot of things were need to know like i actually didn't know that um that it was egon that was maintaining like the uh that whole temple scene um but i thought maybe he would just be like fixing or or, or, uh adjusting alignment (laughs) not (laughs) (laughs) not blowing other ones now did they blow apart one of the sentry cannons like practically or was that all digital effects so in some photos that i that have come out you can tell that the the sentry cannons that are on the on the pillars are not like the hero ones Mm -hmm. there were kind of um mock-ups that were done i think they were mostly foam with some other greeblies slapped on um that is what i believe was blown up okay yeah interesting so how many sentry cannons did you work on there's there's four in the movie so four Mm. unique wands four unique packs yes on on four different pillars did you work on all four i did um when i first got there so the sentry cannons were the second time a month or two um down the line um, when I first got there, they had just come in from L.A. Um, they were going to be shot on Tuesday. This was Friday night or I think this was Saturday. And they were going to be shot on Tuesday because it was a long weekend. So nobody was working Monday. Mm-hmm. And we wanted they wanted to um, kind of change them a bit. Um, originally, I think you can see it on some of the pictures. They're literally mounted on a flat piece of metal. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, initially, there, uh, the bases were something that we created. Um, that kind of beefed them up and such. So I kind of got to do a first pass over them all, which is uh, still to this day is one of those things like, I think about. I'm like, I was just some guy. <laughs> but um, one of them <laughs> was covered really in... Cool. Oh, it's incredible opportunity. And still one of those things that when I think about it, I'm like, did that really happen? <laughs> um, one of them was covered with trap relays, like relays... And, and sockets it and it didn't make it to the final because i pulled them all off i was like this doesn't make sense to me as a ghostbusters guy um that one was is the one that has like the bizarre looking um almost arc reactor looking panel okay. on it so okay. yeah i was given the direction by my supervisor who worked for the movie peter um what would it look like if you were to pull the cyclotron 
assembly completely off. And I sketched something up, and I gave it to another member of the production, and then he turned my drawing into that um, gear-looking guy that you see okay. with all the copper at the center and the wires that run in and out. Mm-hmm. And that was just a incredible moment for me, because I'm just, yeah, like, a guy who was like, you know what? This is what it looks like underneath the cyclotron. If you were to completely remove the sync gen and all this part, this is what I think it looked like. Here's my little sketch. And then the next day he came back with that complete. That's super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's why that one is like the most like physically empty is because it had um, a bunch of relays and that kind of thing on it. Mm-hmm. And then I drew that up. It got put on. I, I also found in like a scrap bin a f- some like a uh, Hammond project box or something that I used to make uh, the injector tubes that go into it. So it looks kind of like yeah. an ion arm power cell. I, yeah, uh, it was a really weird bodge job, but I feel like it came out. All right. The idea I really, was, I I'm think sorry, was, sorry, uh, online chat. Um, so that's the one I believe that's on the right side of the pillar closest to the entrance of the set which doesn't help you guys at all but there's a there is a separate cyclotron mounted on to the column that yeah. cores run to so it was like okay the cyclotron had to be removed or swapped out at one point and that's you know where it once was 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 the thought okay. there well and i think what's really fascinating to me about these the the cages that you guys put together and um you know each one maintains kind of the main elements of the pack but you know their their layout is rearranged um you know i noticed uh, even on like the gunner seat you know the ion arm orientation is correct but the the end cap is flipped upside down and then there's one of the ion arms i think it's an ion arm on one of them that's got it's like it's got like these bunny ears like yeah, these, rabbit these ears jagged ra- yeah that yeah. was I love that detail. That's, so cool. That's actually, I was so excited to find out that my favorite wand um, was the companion piece to also my favorite pack. Yeah, the one where it's like that. the full cyclotron mm-hmm. synchron. Yeah, so, so it, it has the, the synchrotron spacer on there. And I, I'm looking at photos right now. It has the, the bunny ears. I'm, I'm assuming you guys were also using the, the Fincher cables on these. Yes, uh, we had uh, rolls of Charles Fincher cable. Uh, we had Aaron Mac labels. We had freaky geeky wands. Uh, I I was just like, oh, there's so many things. I feel like those are sponge face light kit, uh, the sponge face circuit boards because they did light up in the same manner. Okay. Okay. Um, but I Which... I wasn't uh, involved who made the. Well, well, I, I know. I know AJ who has uh, obviously a a ridiculous amount of experience with sponge face boards. Actually, found at one point when uh, the the Ghostbusters were knocked down, and they're getting up, and there's a, a top down scene in which you know they're getting up next to the Ecto one again. You can see one of the proton packs is cycling through the on sequence for a sponge <laughs> face light kit, and I'm just like, nobody else does their their. Uh, <laughs> nobody else does their light kits like that that i'm aware yeah. of <laughs> um so so the 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 pack with the huge capacitor on it again my favorite and it's that's the one that has the the pack with the bunny ears on it yes. what is let me uh just quickly open up my documents folder where i have all my 
pictures. Absolutely. It's so gorgeous. There, there was just a couple things that I was, I was curious about. Um, yeah, no, in sure. which one of the original photos that comes out, and this is the one that has the digital calipers on it. Um, there's these weird like nubs over the, uh, the switches on, on the, on the wand. Was that, yes. a, a, what is, what is that? Is that something that was swapped out or. So those are like RCA plugs for like a television. Okay. Um, like or a game console or something like that. Um, I didn't have any real input on that. I think at one point they were going to put cords in them to like how the, uh, how they were triggered. As far mm-hmm. as I know, they're, they're strictly aesthetic. Okay. So um, it was originally they were going to do RCA plugs and then at some point it went back to regular switches or was it the other way around? It w- there were cables that ran all throughout the set to each pack back to mm-hmm. that PKE. And uh, a weird funny anecdote is I was talking with the guy who um, like who's actually involved, like like the one of the people involved in production, and they were picking my brain about um, like if it made sense Ghostbusters wise, and I was like, it makes perfect sense if like the guy who who built this wasn't like super familiar with the technology. The wings come up, they hit these little leaf switches, and they fire the proton packs. It's it's a very low tech, very smart way of doing it. And then I got the reply: the person who built this was incredibly familiar with the technology. Because now I know it was Egon. Ah. <laughs> at the time, I was just like, oh, you know, if somebody uh, had to rig this up, it's a great way of doing it. <laughs> okay, so that's that's how the PKE works and the whole functionality of movie magic is supposed to be the wings come up because the portal's opening. Yes. It closes the circuit and that causes all the, the wands to fire and cross yes. the streams. That's cool. That's cool. That There, there were so many... Um, Little things like that that I don't know if they were communicated well enough in the movie that I didn't pick it up on my four watches. Maybe Austin did. You've <laughs> seen it, what, 15, 16 times now? I think I'm like 21 now. Wow, that's sad. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's nowhere near, under the bus, huh? That's nowhere near where I wanted to be, by the way. <laughs> you aiming for that big five zero? I don't have a set number in mind. I just was hoping to have seen it a lot more by now, but you know, shit happens. That's true. Um, what about there is, uh, obviously we're, we're looking at one of the, uh, the Dalem resistors now on the wand, which I thought was a great touch. I I loved seeing new Greeblies Mm -hmm. paired with old ones. I thought that was, a genius way of including original Ghostbusters designs with new things. And we talked about this last episode in which I loved the design work on afterlife as far as yes, this is still Ghostbusters stuff. Yes. So you're still seeing things that you would be familiar with, you know, if you're really into the the props, but you're also seeing new things, which, which I really quite loved. Uh, what is underneath that heat sink? I, I... I noticed that the heat sink is spaced out. And there's something underneath there. I, I, I mean, it could just be a, a block of wood for all I know. I honestly don't know. Um, the way it worked is I'd worked on all the bodies of the proton, like all, like the cannons, like the bodies and the the mm-hmm. bases that we had built. And then on the last day we were there, I think it was late Sunday night, Rob came with all the wands. Okay. Oh, um, so we're going to have to get Rob on here. That's what you're telling yeah. me. Yeah. He and uh, another guy involved in production, Shannon, were were the the driving force between uh, with the wand specifically. 
Did you guys choose which wand would go specifically with each pack? Yeah, was that something actually, that, that production chose or what? Uh, no. Uh, when we were doing this, this was, I think I left around three in the morning because I had to work at six or two. <laughs> and I was not the last to leave. Um, but we actually installed them, which technically I think breaks some rules because I think that's construction or set deck. But we, oh no, we took we took. <laughs> I think it'll be all right. But we took the the packs, the century cannon bases, and we like drilled into the fake stone uh, walls and then put the straps across and then mounted the uh, the um, proton ones uh, using Home Depot, which it was the only thing open on a holiday weekend. Um, pipe fitting adapters, like I at one point had to take a rust city van with a little rust city parking pass to home depot <laughs> which i can't believe they trusted me with cuz an embarrassing story is on the first day of the second time i worked on the movie i hit a car in the parking lot <laughs> and a lady came out of the production office and was like oh my god that's jason's car and i was like please tell me it's not jr jason They're like no it's like some like location scout jason <laughs> so unfortunately most of my first paycheck uh, for working on the movie went to repairing a 2004 Subaru owned by Jason. <laughs> hey, the real payment was the experience. Yes, plus I had the paycheck framed. The, yeah, the, and in know. the memo field, it's it one says Canon, the other says seat. Oh, cool! Nice. Yeah, that's very very cool. Gosh, I have I... a very specific question about a particular part that we have to address. Sure. Where where did the answer the call piece come from? <laughs> you picked up on that too. Uh, so yeah, those came from LA. Um, a lot of the base work was already came from like the prop com- uh, prop company in LA. Um, outside of me like changing wiring, moving parts around, um, adding and uh, adding the bases and uh, filling those up with uh, Easter eggs and uh, parts, uh, those were already on there. And I was just like, at one point, uh, one of the things that this is like the most original part on here because a lot of the parts were ghostbusters parts and i was like well actually that's uh that's from afterlife or uh, <laughs> that's from master the call and he's like what and i like pull up a picture i was like see here on the bottom left <laughs> that's this <laughs> it's like, that's amazing yeah and i, I was I, like I, we, we're keeping it i'm not i'm like i'm not gonna pull that off it's gonna really annoy somebody in the future <laughs> yeah that was that was my thing is it's like is this is this some sort of you know easter egg to uh to rile rile up some people and ruffle some feathers, or in my mind it was uh, definitely. I love <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad it's in there. There was a there was a running uh, a running line throughout the, those weekends where like we can't upset the internet. Like we have to make sure the internet has nothing to complain about. <laughs> like everything needs to make sense. All the wiring needs to be consistent. Certain things. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I got that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna keep these. You should have put some orange tips on those cannons, <laughs> right? Uh, real missed opportunity. I know at hey. one point they were supposed to have kind of a try um, three gun ears. I don't believe they were Ooh. installed by the time I left, but I think they were printing. That's cool. Yeah. Look, uh, you if can they see make it... it in one of the pictures of the wands. You can see one on the table. Oh, I'm gonna have to go dig in the background now. Yeah, it's the I one where he's measuring that. the uh, orange light on the top of the uh, wand okay. of the big redu- uh, big capacitor. Very cool. Yeah. Now, so the resistors and stuff that you guys are using, um, are they real? Are they resin? Is it a mixture? It's a mixture. Uh, I cast okay. a bunch while I was working on uh, stuff on the. Um, on the, the sentry packs 
And what about the the components of the packs themselves, like the the crank generators and the cyclotrons and all that? Are those those are mostly fiberglass uh, ones on the Sentry packs? They were fiberglass and cut on, and either cut or mounted on um, these existing. So boards. were they? I guess if you didn't actually fabric, if they were fabricated in L.A., you may not know, but some uh, some of it looks like they may be like just straight up resin poured into. Uh, a pack mold and then some of the the larger pieces that need to be hollow like the cyclotrons and the mm-hmm. sync generators may be actually like full shells that have been cut down i believe that was the case yeah okay i can imagine that some of them are probably pretty heavy yes they were all quite heavy uh i found uh, when we went to home depot the like longest possible screws I could. I think these were like six, seven inches long because the, uh, the pillars that they were mounted on the two that weren't on the scaffolding uh, were foam with a wooden core. And I had to be able to go through three to four inches of foam to get to that core to support the weight. There was a, a bit of a, uh, of worry when we, cause we just leaned them over to, to drill into them that when we stood mm-hmm. them up, we were going to tear a huge chunk of foam out and like <laughs> really set production back. Ah, it's foam. That can be patched up in no time. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it, it's funny you mentioned those screws. I was looking at some of the the wand pictures earlier, and uh, I noticed there's these just huge screws sitting in the background. I mean, they're so long. I was like, that it, that's an obscene amount of screw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't so, even know they made screws that long. <laughs> yes, you did. You just put it out of your memory because you've never had to use it. <laughs> that's true so okay so we 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 talked about the gunner c pack we've talked about the the sentry cannons um what else did you did you get to do anything else there see anything cool i saw a lot of cool stuff um one of the one of the kind of fun things i got to do was there is a damage cyclotron it's i believe part of the pack that's the one paul rudd um, aims at the other one mm-hmm. um so i got to fill that full of electronics and greeblies um because it, it looks like it was replaced so it's like a busted right. one sitting next to the pack and then there was another one so that was kind of a, an interesting thing um there's a star wars figure inside one of the bases of a century pack like just some <laughs> random b guy that we painted up i have i have pictures of that which i don't think i posted i gotta get on that and what I'll, are uh, what are your favorite easter eggs that you snuck into those those packs uh one of our members tk numbers is uh on one of the outer rings um our logo is inside the pack um Mm -hmm. where all the electronics and such are inside the um the base my my uh, alberta ghostbusters uh president at the time business cards inside one of them um on the one with the big cyclotron uh we all Mm -hmm. sign the inside of that i'm trying to remember i think we put a bunch of shout outs that are commented out in the code of the arduinos that run them oh cool yeah okay so so we, we try to get our little fingerprints all over everything so the the you would, okay the, so they had lights in them. Did yes. they have the same kind of light setups as as the other packs? I mean, obviously we're looking at a much different space constraint, so it's yeah. it's not a bulb on a on a spinner plaque. I'm assuming which was wasn't on all of them. <laughs> right, yeah. I understand uh, there were some problems with keeping that stable and stable and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and they what they eventually went into a LED ring. I believe that was, yeah, but it so, wasn't something I was involved in. Okay, so these ones you never got to see light up? I was there with the effects guy while he was doing, like, 
like the soldering like that was something that uh, mm-hmm. dustin did he worked with electronics with the fx guy who mounted these little light kits because i had to um, always make sure that there was a way to get a light into it so if it was all like mounted on a plate i would drill in to the other side or cut a hole okay like grinder so these ones from from what you understand uh from dustin did uh did they have the just the light rings in them? They didn't have. They the didn't even bulb. have light rings. I think it was just LEDs, like like the Nano Bright or something Arduino oh, okay. based that could just flicker in sequence or whatnot. Oh wow! So they're even closer to traditional lighting yes. methods. Okay. In fact, with traditional methods, one of the Century packs, I just use Split Loom as the strain relief instead of because I we only had a Very limited nice. amount of those. Uh, those connectors, those um, stream relief connectors. I have a bunch of the. I think we figured out what, where they are, but I have like a bunch of photos of their model numbers because I was like, these are super cool. When I first got there, I was like, oh, I need to update these on my pack one day. Yeah, just like everything else, they've they've already changed and they're slightly bigger now. Yeah. When you order them from Amazon or wherever, you get slightly different ones. It's like, oh, okay, well, fantastic. Now, so in the background of one of these pictures, mm-hmm. I noticed there's one of them that has a GB2 Spectra Strip ribbon cable. Yeah, uh, it came with it. Okay. I was one of the things I did. I so I think they actually all had Spectra Strip. Okay, and I changed them out to to um, to the Charles Fincher cables. Okay, that that was what I was going to ask about was if they all came with GB2 cables or did you guys leave one in there as like an Easter egg or what? No, I, I think they all came with GB2 and I think by the time they were like ready for filming, they had, they had all been swapped out if I recall properly. Okay. Because we had like a huge roll of Charles Fincher cable, which I think I, I think I snagged a piece somewhere. I was like, this is my one of my mementos. Very cool. Yeah. Charles gives those out of samples, doesn't he? <laughs> he uh he started giving out cuttings of his cable as uh as kind of uh like a business card. <laughs> gotcha. So what else? Uh you had mentioned there was a couple other things that you also wanted to to talk about on there. We've talked about uh you know, easter eggs and stuff in those packs. Oh, yeah. So uh, the other two, like, so I got to work on the movie those two times. Um, we did a set visit just as filming wrapped where we met Jason. We took uh, a, the picture might be out now of uh, us and a bunch of producers in front of the Ectomobile. Uh, we got to see the set for uh, Raise a Cult, which was unfortunately being torn down at the time. But I oh. and during that set visit, our all of our phones were taped, all the cameras, which is a shame because... <laughs> I loved all the little Easter eggs on like Ray's corkboard. He had a little corkboard and it had like a bunch of para paranormal kind of themed uh, business cards and like flyers and posters and that kind of thing. Where like That's one cool. of the one of the notes on there was it pour out your life story to strange twelve year olds when they call? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exposition dump immediately. Yeah. Uh, how cool and was the, that, though? I mean, walking in, even though they were striking the set, I mean, that that has to be a cool set to walk in. Did they build that? They built that up in in Canada, obviously. Yeah, yeah in a in a soundstage in Calgary. The interesting thing is the the same building was also where the uh, Gozarian Temple was, like the temple that we worked in and installed these things, and you know, 
fell asleep while standing up and were <laughs> and installing. Um, so when I when we went to go open the door, I was like, oh, I know this. this is the temple, and it was just gone. It was just the it was empty. There was the ectomobile, the screens, and then yeah, it was it was bizarre how fast it had changed. Like it had been probably three weeks at that point from from when we were did the canon canon stuff. Wow. Do you know where the cannons are now? Did they just go back to they, Sony archives? They went back to Sony. Um, when, when I was at the rap party, uh, I guess I talked to the guy who's in charge of like getting things back to Sony, like into their archives and having everything. And it was a uh, interesting conversation of like, you guys, you didn't take anything, did you? And I was like, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you take? Uh, nothing he just told us he just yeah, told exactly. us that he took nothing austin gosh nothing but photos come on yeah, exactly nothing he was able to memories. sneak out some photos and memories man it's the friends we make along the way stop asking questions like that <laughs> uh and yeah so the, the last kind of thing we did after uh, oh the other set we got to see was the the big wall where um podcast and um phoebe oh phoebe jeez sorry I'm, it's, you're fired I'm, oh uh, Sorry, right, man. Some, uh, Phoebe, it's like, like six o'clock there. The Gozerian, yeah, six fourteen. <laughs> the Gozerian madness. Um, that wall was like 25, 30 feet tall. Like it was bizarre. <laughs> like to stand in front of, because it's the temple doors. Like, and I knew that, so it's just like, oh, I wonder how that fits into the movie. That'll be cool. <laughs> I assume that's the outside of the temple I was working in. But all right. <laughs> See, that's something else that's got to be strange is you know getting to work on this and getting to 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 see things and to know absolutely zero context for yes. any of it um when we i think you can see it in some of my photos but when we're working on the temple set evo shandor's like coffin's just sitting there he's not in it there's no dummy in it it's empty but yeah. i'm just like oh all right i guess we needed a place for selenium maybe this is the mine like i was trying yeah. to like get there and um, you know, seeing the years, I was like, okay, first Kazarian incursion. I was like, okay, I I think I'm picking. I'm starting to put this together, and then it also makes it interesting because you know of certain things that were filmed or like talked about being filmed that aren't in the movie, like well, perhaps yeah. a uh, a bro- broken PKE meter since it was weathered as if it were metal and breaks as if it's plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a big mystery that I'm waiting for somebody to solve. Yeah, there's one. There, it's in the movie. For one shot, when Phoebe walks out of the house, she's holding it. Yeah, and I'm like, "There's some sequence somewhere that's missing." Right. Well, didn't the there was an enamel pin that came out that kind of hinted to it that a terror dog chews it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... And I was I was told, funnily enough, I I have a a crew hoodie because I I'm a lucky guy, and I was wearing it at a local. Um, a local thrift store looking for junk as I do. And the proprietor was like, Oh, you worked on Ghostbusters? I was like, yeah, uh, I did some prop stuff. Like, Oh, we, uh, we sold them all the fake flowers for the funeral. And I was like, interesting. Was that filmed? I don't know, but I'm like, that's, that's super cool. <laughs> I, I feel like there's two hours of this movie that are just sitting on the cutting room floor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, um, in one of the pictures I released, it, looks like a weird octopus like thing like it has like a clear dome and then all these yes. tiles and stuff i have yeah. no idea where that thing is in the movie 
Yeah, yeah I, I was just I was, I was looking, at, looking at that photo because you had you had mentioned the the trap relays, so and I saw that too. It has all the the bases for the IRR relays on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just uh, it, it was just sitting the, on a shelf in in like the prop area. It may be hidden somewhere in the lab Could in the be. background. It was it was interesting, like the first day, like seeing like there's just RTVs and traps. Um, one of the things that I wish I had taken a photo of was the trap pedal because, like, it was in summer 2019. You're like, oh, they moved the relay to the side, so now it's not sticking straight up and can get caught on things. Or yeah, um, just seems like a, a row of, of Aztec death death whistles. There's a lot of funky stuff going on with that trap pedal, mm. and that's I'm, like one of the pieces I think that we really haven't gotten good shots of, which is a shame. I'm, I'm so foaming at the mouth to get pictures of those. <laughs> Yeah, like, I was able to talk to uh, the guys involved, and I got that one top-down view, but that's the only one that I know of that, still, that uh, I have access to anyway. Somebody's got something. Oh, yeah, it's somewhere. Home. It'll turn up again 20 years from now, going to visit Sony Archives. We'll find it in a box someplace, <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, thought that was for Men in Black 7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I guess the last thing I got to do Ghostbusters Afterlife related was I got to go to the rap party. Um, Dustin, one of our members, owns a production company, and through his schmoozing, he was uh, in charge of uh, running the rap party. So I technically was working, mm-hmm. but it was also my birthday. So my job was the Ghostbusters remaster was coming out. I think we got it a week early and a PlayStation mm-hmm. to run it. And the uh, rap party was held in the old Space and Science Center in, in Calgary. And they had a huge planetarium. So we, of course, played the Ghostbusters uh, video game on the planetarium. <laughs> and That's I awesome. stayed in the planetarium for the whole event um, playing Ghostbusters. And I start, I started like the game when the, when the um, event happened. And I ended at the cemetery, like the Central Park Cemetery. <laughs> Were you stuck I, in the cherubs? <laughs> not quite but oh. I, I was about there um and it was funny because like people would come in i'd be like hey do you guys want to play do you want to try like and 90 percent of people didn't except for logan kim um of course <laughs> logan kim got taken away by his mom i think twice um like all the kids <laughs> played like finn played um mckenna played mckenna is like the nicest person she's I, such a sweetie she met me like one time for two seconds and remembered me and i was just like Fate? Uh, hi. <laughs> well, you know where just... she gets it. She gets it from her mom, who's as equally sweet and kind as her. Yes. Because uh, when they were when they were filming the the CBS Good Morning segment at the firehouse, uh, her mom gave me a little Stay Puffed action Aww. figure, and it sits on my desk, and it just makes me so happy. And like, there's times <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I should have gotten McKenna to sign this. And I'm just like, nah, man. McKenna's mom gave me this, and that. <laughs> That makes this super cool. I should have gotten mom's signature on that, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, um, and that was a, an incredible 36-hour day. I drove <laughs> home with my windows all the way down because <laughs> I was afraid I'd fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's hey, just... if you went out, you went out having worked on a Ghostbusters movie, exactly, so. and leaving like the wrap party after we packed everything up, all the truss and lights and sound and. So yeah. how about when when finally everything came to be? You got to finally sit down, and you saw the the premiere at the the theater that gets blown up. I'm assuming. Did you attend that? No that showing. So oh, I was at okay. I was at Fort McLeod. Um, 
uh, with the Alberta Ghostbusters, and we were selling merch and taking photos and stuff. But there's literally 50 members of the Alberta Ghostbusters right now. I think we were offered two or four tickets. Um, so we declined just because how do you choose? And right. Why not? But I did see the movie the following, I want to say like two days later, um, there was a mm-hmm. cast and crew screening in Calgary. So I got to see it surrounded by extras and prop people. Oh, like fun. Yeah, so I sat I sat with like all the people we uh, we worked on props to, and like when the, like, the seat comes out, we're all like, yeah! we're all pointing at the <laughs> things we did. Uh, when they go to the temple scene, like I we're all like me and uh, Ashley were like sitting side by side, we're like vibrating because like she did all the weathering, all the uh, all the pa- she did like ninety percent of the painting. Like a common call during that was like, paint lady Peter broke it because our supervisor <laughs> would take a piece and be like, you know what, this looks good. It's not it's not beat up enough and he just throw it on the ground You're like all right that looks a little better but uh you're gonna have to repaint that and we're like okay <laughs> and now we gotta fix it too Thanks. <laughs> yeah it was uh yeah it was a it was a great time and then saw it of course like two days later when we did the uh a alberta ghostbuster screening because being 50 members you can't get everybody into a cast and crew screening either sure so then we had all of our friends and family, and then I, I saw it once in IMAX just because I'd seen every Ghostbusters available at IMAX in IMAX at that point. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So, I mean, your 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 final thoughts on the movie, though, uh, overall positive. Oh, incredibly, yeah. I really liked it. I, I obviously can't judge it objectively. I'm biased because I'm involved. Sure. But, uh, I mean, it had everything that Ghostbusters movie 35 years after the fact ought to have. I mean, I I still remember saying that as long as I saw an original Proton Pack on screen and heard the original Proton Pack start up, that I would like it, and and that's the, I got it. So, and you got I'm a very cool happy startup. with the end result. Yeah, the the startup sound was definitely super cool. Um, well, wow. Uh, so that that's just a hell of an experience, Eric Jordan, and I'm I'm really really thankful that you were able to to sneak those photos because. Again, when when you released them, and of course, big thanks to to Sony and Ghost Core for allowing you to release those because that was like Christmas Day for me. Um, yeah, just seeing the the original packs, um, or you know, original packs. I say that with air quotations, but mm-hmm. was supposed to be the original Ghostbusters Proton packs. That was the real treat for me. We had seen a lot of Phoebe's pack, um, but getting to see what the changes were to the the packs the themselves packs. was yeah. wonderful, and. Uh, definitely solidified the the build direction that I want to go. Um, and then getting to see just how much went into the sentry cannons. I mean, an incredible amount of work, incredible amount of detail that unfortunately gets lost on screen. But then again, that's, that's how it always is. I mean, there's exactly. an incredible amount of detail on the proton pack that gets lost in ghostbusters. Yeah. Like um, all those warning labels are super cool, but you can't read one of them. <laughs> no, yeah. none of them. Yeah. None of them. Um, so do you have plans to build your own century pack for your personal collection at any point? Well, so we do pretty large, um, booths at, at our local comic expos where we raise funds for the children's hospital of, uh, of Calgary and the Alberta, uh, sorry, and the Stoller children's hospital in Edmonton. And we have like trusts and lights and screens set up. So we, we've been talking about having them built pointing like in the, like the center of our booth or something like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. You got to do it. 
Screen accurate. Of course. Screen accurate. <laughs> I'm actually working on one of our members' proton packs right now just uh, to help him out. And I keep telling him, like, you can say, like, this is built by one of the prop makers from Afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah, diverting from Afterlife, what what's your personal setup? I mean, like, uh, what, what's your pack like? What do you... What do you prefer as the base? Are you a three D print guy? Did you go? I have a Vinny, uh, I have a Vincent Nordone three thirty uh, shell. That's uh, oh, I, I nice. I'm an idealized guy. Okay. I, I I don't like the sloppiness that the original packs <laughs> had. I do understand that some people really like that. Like when you're talking about like the Tom Cook patches, like I def uh, on week one there, I like the like the nice crisp clean, which is fine. Absolutely. Um, for all the props I build generally because i'm not super confident in weathering i'm getting better i I worked on a mando blaster that that was nice and weathered and i I was happy Mm -hmm. with most of the mostly you're never 100 percent happy with anything you build you just gotta stop at one point and then you say it's done yeah Yeah. i mean so did you uh was it a was it a vince shell that you got and mm-hmm. built out, or did you do a commission? I know he did commissions for a little while. No, I I, I built mine up. Uh, I got it up. It's it's like sitting just off to the off <laughs> to the side. You can't see it, but <laughs> there it is, gorgeous. Yeah. Um. Oh no. So yeah, no. I I assembled all the parts over uh, a year or two. This is pack number three. So like I said, I started off with the the old uh, norm plan. So mm-hmm. my cake pan cyclotron and my my Pringles can and filter. Um, then I we had actually built a sh- uh, a buck in around 2011, and we made horrific castings. We tried <laughs> to paint resins on. There was a contaminant, like it didn't hold paint. And then I, that was the like it was it was the worst. And that was the one that I built that had um, all the multimedia mayhem Colin stuff because he lived um, just up the road from us. Um, oh wow. It was really convenient to have a Ghostbuster supplier in the province. Unfortunately, he Definitely. moved to the other end, and I've lost contact with him. I think everybody I've wondered has. where he's where he kind of disappeared to because yeah. he just sort of vanished. It was it was interesting. He 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 went off a bit of a uh, a Dan Aykroyd style deep end of conspiracy theories, and then moved was, out to the boonies. He had a he had a hard time evolving with the research. <laughs> he had a really hard time evolving with the research because um, for a time there, Colin, bless his heart. I mean, he just made some great stuff um, and then he made some some not so great stuff. And he he didn't take the, and he kept the feedback. getting recasted, too. He did which is the most was, bizarre thing. It like, was. I'm like, this is not what I would choose to recast. <laughs> but OK, <laughs> you got it. You got it. But, you know, for a time, he was definitely one of the first uh custom manufacturers of parts so mm. there's definitely a a miss for him um so we are we're coming up near the the end of our show here so i love jordan that you kept mentioning that you did norm gagnon packs oh um, so that's how you start well it, it's great because you know we're we're obviously we're talking about props here at the black firehouse podcast but um we we have norm gagnon as our guest for next week Oh yeah, so super I'm cool. super excited to to make that announcement. Um, he is actually a local Virginian. Um, oh. He lives in Northern Virginia. I live in in um, southeastern Virginia. Um, so we're going to be doing a a take back to the past. You know, kind of talking about where Ghostbuster replicas started next week. Um, but again, I just wanted to give you my 
biggest heartfelt thanks for the photos that you release, the time you're spending with us, uh, the, just the contributions to Afterlife. I mean, really, hands down, my favorite part is those Sentry Cannons. And I'm really, really stoked that um, you were able to make yourself available to us. I know we're on episode three. We're such a big deal now. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're massive. But I mean, to us, it is, you know, to, to this yeah. niche group of builders, this is a big deal. This is a really cool thing for us to be able to have, you know, access for you to answer our, our silly nitpicky questions. Um, Austin, final thoughts for the show today. I mean, I think you pretty much summed it up. Yeah. I mean, just thanks for coming on and, and chatting with us and that's a pleasure. The, yeah. I mean, it, it's been, it's been really cool to hear the stories and get some insight. So we really yeah. appreciate it. Well, excellent. Um, so Jordan, any, any last thoughts before we uh, take this one out? No, <laughs> sorry, I was put on the spot right. there and I panicked. But that's uh, right. That's do you right. Uh, do you I have mean, any kind of social media or anything that people can follow you on that you post builds on or anything? Not really. I post builds on like Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm Agent Slade on Instagram and Jordan Johansson on Facebook. Okay. After any time I post like anything or I get tagged in anything like this, I get like a hundred and fifty friend requests. Like when oh, I gosh. posted those pictures, I my phone blew up for about a day because people comment on them or message me and ask things. I, yeah. I just remember when it got out uh, who Ben Eady was, and I had spoken mm-hmm. to him. I had, and I had invited him to the workbench, and um, I didn't immediately friend request him. Ah, uh, and I was just like, "Hey, man, I'm just want to." Just want to see if this is something you're into. And then, you know, finally I did. And Jordan, I if I haven't already, I definitely will with you because I'd, I'd love to follow your work and, and vice versa. But I, I always feel bad. It's like, hey, not trying to be pushy. I'm definitely interested in, in what you're doing. But, man, sometimes when you have a flight suit in your in your profile photo, I'm like, yeah. I don't know who you are, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Ben's great. He he also lives in Calgary, so we we nerd awesome. out over props at times you get really got to check out his uh his work with foam his foam mail is amazing oh, i will yeah. definitely yeah i know he's got he's been really gracious enough to uh first release a lot of his tiktok answering questions to uh spengler's 1984 workbench which has been just really really gracious of him he's a super super nice guy um and i'm glad that he is not so full of himself that he is able to to take our group <laughs> as it is because we are definitely you know the workbench is definitely the group where yeah i worked on the movie i this is what i'm answering and somebody else is like well actually sir push up the glasses. <laughs> it was this yeah. way and he's just you know what you know more than i do <laughs> so he's <laughs> he's, were, he's humble in that way and i like that there were times yeah. um in like some of the group chats with like people involved in production and stuff where we were like laughing at how fast you guys would find something based on like a small screen grab or a trailer or a picture somebody took on a cell phone that they shouldn't have of filming it was it was actually really funny you assume sir that we have lives i mean i'm i'm a dyed dyed true blue nerd too i get it but it was just um it was amazing to be on the other side of it that's awesome you know i've always wondered what it's like for people involved in production that that may get a peek into inside our crazy uh obsessive minds like they i mean are they are they appreciative? Are they are they are they're they appreciative their... and they don't want to disappoint you. If <laughs> truly deep down they care and they don't want to fuck up. The props did not disappoint me. There there's no. there's not a bit 
I think the only thing, the only prop nitpick that I can come with on Afterlife is I don't understand why there's still a green lever on the gunner seat wand. Yeah, because it doesn't extend. Because uh, there's no extension there. And and I do wish that they had taken one of the more adventurous designs for that particular wand, because there were some really cool ones. Agreed. Um, but outside of that, I mean, like, the, the sound mixing, I mean, just the, the attention to detail, um, you know, I, I wish they had chosen the Vankman hero to base everything off of instead of the superhero, just because it, it made a aberration proton pack seem like it was the baseline for all the builds. And I was just like, but I mean, that's, that's so far beyond nitpicky. <laughs> I mean, that's something that like to, to get hung up over, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Cause it's overall such a beautifully designed movie. And, yeah. and obviously we know why, because Sony was nice enough to bring in true blue fans and be like, <laughs> Hey, make this look like ghostbusters. And, if, if that was their only mission, man, they, they hit a home run and really knocked that out of the park and made it Absolutely. look and feel like Ghostbusters. Yeah, for sure. Well, excellent. So guys, we are, we are at the end of our time. Uh, as always with, uh, my friend Austin Young here, thank you so much for listening to the Black Firehouse podcast. We are releasing every Tuesday, um, onto Spotify and our RSS feed, and hopefully soon we'll also be on iTunes for your downloading pleasure. And of course, you can catch us on YouTube every Friday when our episodes release there. You can like us at uh, Black Firehouse Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, this is Dan Harshman and Austin Young saying, "Go out and build something." As a duly designated representative of the city. I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Spray has gone bye-bye, you What have you done, For whatever reason, Spray, call it fate, call it love. Call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.